Welcome to Have a Seat. My name's Steve Cunningham, and uh, it's really good to be here with you today. Uh, Thank you all so much. My goodness gracious. Uh, Moving a family of eight a few states away um, either takes a lot of skill or a whole lot of crazy. I'm not sure which, maybe a little bit of both, Um, but here we are, and we have found ourselves truly in the arms of a generous, loving people, and already we have been blessed by you, and we look forward to getting to know you better, to serving alongside of you, to growing with you, mourning with you, laughing with you, sharing with you, and most of all, growing in Christ with you. We are truly, truly excited for that. I was thinking about like what message, what series, uh, what thing would I want to start off talking with you all about, and I couldn't think of anything better maybe than this idea of identity. Who are you? And that's really what we get at when we begin to look at, you know, a, a new relationship, a new person, a, a new place. We begin to ask ourselves, and we may not say it like, who are you? But we may begin to ask those kinds of questions to figure out who somebody is at the core. And over the next few weeks together, that's really what I'm going to challenge you to do for yourself. To look at who you are at your core person. And I'll tell you, some of the stories that we'll look at are, if you've been raised up in a church, there are no new stories. But if you'll sit back and really begin to contemplate and look at Scripture and then look at your life, I believe that God will begin to speak to you about really, truly who you are in Him. And it may Listen, it may just change your life. And it doesn't matter if you're 88 or 8. I believe the same God who spoke things into existence long ago can still speak into your life today. I was driving here on Friday. It was myself and our youngest bear, who's seven years old. He looks like me, just shrunken. (laughs) We're sitting in the car, and it's been a long day. In fact, it's been a long week. In fact, it's been a long couple of weeks. I'm tired. I'm sore. And I'm a little bit emotional. Bear reaches over, and he holds my hand. It was exactly what I needed in the moment. Because at the time, man, the the ride and the drive and the packing and the purging and and all the goodbyes and the getting ready to say hellos and all of the things seem swirling around me. And if I'm just being honest with you, and you'll find this to be true about me, I try to be really authentic. I was just overwhelmed. I was flat out overwhelmed. And he grabbed my hand and he said, I love you. And I said, I love you too, buddy. I 
we're going to have so much fun when we get unpacked and you'll get to see your bedroom. Finally, that day we did. We were met by a lot of, see, what you didn't know was you were the answer to a prayer. You just thought you were showing up to help. You thought you were just going to unload a few boxes. You thought that maybe just slapping some paint on a wall was, was going to be just a, a small contribution. But what you did not know was that you were an answer to prayer. That's who you are. But that day, in that moment... Driving down that stretch of highway, I'll be honest, I was depleted. I was frustrated. I was overwhelmed. I was tired. I was sore. I had a lot more questions than I had answers. I've been there before. Have you been at a place before when it just felt like, you know what? I don't, I don't think I can take another step forward. Been there before. Been there before where you thought, man, I don't, I don't see a good outcome in any of this. Been there before. Today's story, if, if you can identify with that, today's story, I think, will speak to you. I'm not going to put, uh, probably not ever going to put uh, verses up on a screen. Um, so if, if you uh, didn't bring your Bible on your phone or in, in live and paperback form, uh, then, uh, then you'll just have to listen to me read. But I encourage you to bring it because I love for you to dive in with me. This is in John chapter 11. You can follow along with me or at home. This is what it says. John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of uh, Mary and her sister Martha, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Stop right there for just a moment. The story is going to shift. It's been looking at Lazarus and Mary and Martha and kind of giving us a little bit of dialogue of how these these people are intertwined. Jesus already knows this family. He loves this family. He's already performed miracles on this family. They, they are so intertwined at this point that, that we get a little bit of the dialogue, a little bit of the backstory there with them. But this is the message. Pay attention to it. The only thing that Jesus gets is that, Lord, the one you love is sick. Notice what's not there. What's not there? Well, it's not, hey, come here. It's not, hey, we need another miracle. It's not, hey, we need a healing. Why is that? I think the reason why that is is because the expectation that if Jesus had healed a bunch of strangers and he had healed them in the past, then surely he would help the ones he loves the most. See, the expectation was if Jesus had done this for these hordes of strangers, these tons of people he didn't know, he'd go into crowds and everybody was reaching out and he was healing them, then surely he would be there for those he loved the most. 
But have you ever been there before? When everything seemed to not be going the way you thought it was supposed to be going? And you're like, all right, God, it's, it's time. All right, I'm going to flip on the lights and it's your show now. Sometimes I think we don't even throw out exactly what we want God to do because we just expect him to do it. See, entitlement. Entitlement is a delusion. It's rooted in self-centeredness. Entitlement is a delusion that is rooted in and self-centeredness. It's this idea that, that and listen, God is going to do exactly what I need him to do. I don't even, I don't even have to say it. I, he, just, he just loves me enough. He just is in tune with me enough that he's going to take care of it. And listen, your God loves you. There is no doubt about that. But there is a time, and we're going to find in this story, where it's not about you. That maybe God has something bigger in store. And some things have to die so that other things can live. The story continues. It says this. When he heard this, he being Jesus, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was a few more days. That's a funny statement, isn't it? He loved them all so much, and he heard how sick Lazarus was that he decided that he was going to camp out there just a couple more days. Totally against what we feel like God would do, right? Have you ever been there before? God, please, if you would just intervene right here, right now. I need you right now. And you sit back and wait. One of my, one of my best friends tells a story about when he first got into ministry, and he said, I was doing a funeral. I'd never done a funeral before. I started preaching this funeral, and then I decided I needed to throw in a prayer, so I was praying, and I didn't know what to say during the prayer, so I said, all right, listen, God, I know you can do anything, and if you want to raise this person up from the dead, even right now, you could. And he goes, what did I just say? <laughs> and he goes, I turned around in my prayer just to look to make sure nobody was crawling out of the coffin behind me. <laughs> Not what we expect God to do. Sometimes we want him to go right now. And here is Jesus who says, man, I love you so much. I'm going to wait. I, I, I could not love you more. Hang on. I know things feel desperate. I know you're tired. I know you're overwhelmed. I know you're stressed. I know things seem dire. Wait for me. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. If you're familiar with the scriptures, then you know what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, let's go back to the place where, remember where I almost died the last time we were there? Let's go back there again. 
<laughs> but Rabbi, they said, just a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. I don't know if you remember this, Jesus. I'm not sure if, you know, your memory is triggering you right or not. But the last time we were there, you just about died. And we just about died with you. And now you're going back? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. They'll see by the world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And after they said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death. Those disciples thought it meant natural sleep. And so he told them plainly. And here's where we get the full story. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not here. So that you may believe. I don't know if there are much tougher parts in scripture to swallow than that. Jesus, just, he kind of talks about this daylight, 12 hours, and stumble in the dark, and, and everybody's like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. And he says, you know, he's sleeping, and they're like, well, listen, sometimes when you're not feeling good, you just need to sleep a little bit. Just let Lazarus sleep just a little bit, and then everything will be better. And he goes, no, 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 you're not hanging with me, so let me break it down real simple for you. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad he's dead, because this is a point your faith can grow. Listen, some of you in this room, I don't even know you yet, but some of you in this room, I can already tell, you went through some stuff. You went through some stuff where you were broken and torn down and the dreams and the relationships spouses and children it all went away and yet you're here and you're here because God is faithful and even in the, in the moments that are the toughest even in the moments that hurt the most God can use those things to deepen your faith in him. And for your sake, I'm glad. But let's go to him. Everyone, everyone wanted Jesus to prevent Lazarus' death. That's what everyone wanted. Jesus, we, we just want you to prevent the bad things. Don't let the bad things happen, God. Jesus wanted to deepen their faith. Here's the thing. We're typically the most bothered by the physical. And Jesus, is, he reminds us continually to be centered on the spiritual. See, we're concerned about all the things around us. We're concerned with the health. We're concerned with pandemics. We're concerned with masks and no masks and vaccine and no vaccine. Those are all, we're concerned with social media. 
We're concerned about where we'll meet, where we won't meet. And all of those things, listen, all of those things are important. But Jesus reminds us to be focused, to be centered on the spiritual. Because the second you take your faith and you begin to put it in all those other places, I'm telling you what, it will absolutely crumble. And you've been there. I love this. If you, if you know if you know anything about the Bible, you know that there's one of the disciples, his name is Thomas, and he has a name, doesn't he, right? If you know the name, the nickname, give it to me. You doubt it. There you go. You were raised right with flannel board stories, weren't you? <laughs> but Doubting Thomas gets a bum name. And here's why. In verse 16, it says this. Then Thomas, who you call Doubting Thomas, says to the rest of the disciples, let's also go so that we may die with him. Here's Doubting Thomas. And he says, listen. We're not going to hold Jesus back from going to Judea. And the last time he was there, he almost died. So if he's going to go, we're all going to go. And if he's going to die, we're all going to die. That's Thomas. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This is really important. And the reason why this is important is because in the Jewish faith at the time, they believed that the, that the human body and spirit would separate, but that the, the spirit would hover around the body for three days before actually departing. So you might be dead, but you weren't real dead until the fourth day. And on the fourth day, you were real dead. So on his arrival, he'd been in the tomb for four days. Lazarus is not just dead. He's real dead. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know, listen to this, listen to this. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Think about that statement from Martha for just a moment. Her brother is not just dead, he's dead dead. And she says, listen, I know if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But I know, I know that whatever you ask... God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. If you don't have that underlined somewhere, you should. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I mean, there's a lot right there, right? That, that's a, there's a whole lot you can unpack in this. And this is what she says. Yes, Lord. I don't know about you, but I love the Savior part of Jesus a whole lot. Because I find myself in messes all the time. 
And it's like, thank you, God, for our Savior. But the Lord part, the Lord part's tough. The Lord part says, listen, there's somebody over me, and I have to be under them. So she responds, listen, I believe what you say, and I submit. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who was to come into the world and after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. So when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus saw him and fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Shortest sentence in the Bible, so much packed in. I don't know if you know this, but if you've been in a state of grieving, the God of all creation mourns with you. And the Jews said, see how he loved them. But some of them said, and there's always some of them. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? There's always some of them. Even for Jesus. Listen, if you're around and you have naysayers in your life who are saying, no, 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 you can't. No, 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 that's not right. Even Jesus had those. Even Jesus had some of them. Could he open the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved, came to tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Now, do you remember what Martha said earlier? I don't need you to quote it, but do you remember it? Do you remember when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, they will never die. And he says, do you believe that? And she said it right there. She said, well, maybe. <laughs> Possibly. No. She said two words. Yes. Lord, yes, I submit. Yes, I surrender. In fact, earlier than that, she said, my brother died, but I know that you can ask God and anything can happen. That's Martha's theology. Her theology is God can do anything. Her theology is Jesus is God incarnate. He is the Messiah. He is the resurrection and life. He can do anything. Here they are at the entrance of the tomb. Jesus says, Take away the stone. And here's Martha. But Lord, send Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor. And by the way, he's been in there for four days. He's not just dead. He's real dead. Listen, Jesus, come here for a minute. You're going to embarrass us all. Listen, Jesus, this is not going to go well. See, Martha's theology, theology is what you think about God. 
Martha's theology was solid in thought, but absent in practice. Stick with that for a moment. Martha's theology was solid in thought and absent in practice. And folks, I worry about this with the church today. See, we live in a time that is so broken, so hurting, so desperate for a Lord and a Savior. And then sometimes we say, well, we got a God who does everything. I mean, he's awesome. Look around the world and say, I don't know what we're going to do. Man, we have a church and it's awesome. It's so great. And we look around and say, well, we might have to throw our hands up. Man, my marriage, I, I mean, we got married, it was really good, but now it's really tough. I don't think there's anything that's going to... See, my question is for you. Will you choose to put your physical currency where your theology resides? Will you choose to put your physical currency, your relationships, home, your children, your money, your time, your influence, where your theology about who God is, will you align those two? See, if you truly believe that God is above it all, then it's easy to just say, you know what, I'm going to drown out the white noise for a moment, and I'm going to know that no matter what I do, I'm trusting in God, and God raises things from the dead, maybe in ways that I don't always understand. Maybe it seems like it's a little bit too late. Maybe it's not on my timetable, but God is a God who saves. God is a God who saves. It's a bad odor, and he's really dead. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Didn't we have this talk before? Didn't I tell you before? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always heard me. But I say this for the benefit of the people standing here that they believe, they may believe that you sent him. When he said this, he called out in a loud voice. Let's stop right there for a minute. Let me tell you something that's just a matter of truth. Death stinks. Death stinks. And whether it is a job or finances, or relationships. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your reputation. Maybe it's your idea of what you thought things were going to look like, but it died. And man, does that stink. But here's the thing. If you're living in a place that feels dead, there is life. 
band, if you'll come on up. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I don't know about you, but I imagine they felt a lot like my friend who prayed, you know, and the coffins behind him. They're like, uh, do we really want this? And the dead man came out, and his hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. See, you remember back early in the story when Jesus said he's sleeping? What if your current situation feels like death, but God's about to blow some life into it? And what you really, really need to do is to align your physical with his spiritual. You need to align the physical things you have with your theology, your understanding of who God is and give it over to him. So whether it's a relationship or stress, it's health, listen, or it's church, it's your marriage, your kids, whatever it is. We're going to have some prayer partners out to the sides. I'm going to have you guys go there now. And if you feel like I felt the other day in that truck, like depleted and defeated and discouraged and heartbroken and lost, and you've been waiting for God and you cried out to him long ago and he just flat out didn't show up, it doesn't mean he's not done with you. Maybe it's a time that he's choosing to develop your faith in him because he is listen he is a god who saves and here's the truth the first week as we look at things i want you to know this the question who are you listen church you are alive you are alive and you may not feel it today but you don't have to walk out the doors not feeling it you have an opportunity here in a minute to take communion it's this, it's this feast that reminds us that we are the body of Christ. And you have people who want and long and love you, who want to pray with you and over you and for you. Don't waste that opportunity. No matter what you've been walking through, Christ meets you and he breathes his breath of life over you. One of the most interesting things in all of Scripture, it starts out, remember, as man is this lifeless form. It's just a clump of clay. Been there before? It's a clump of clay, man. And God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became living. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus died. There were no believers, Right? When your Messiah dies on a cross, they put him in a tomb. What do you think? So they're locked away in this, this upper room, and they're all afraid for their lives. They're all worried that they're going to meet the same fate. And Jesus shows up, and it says that they're terrified. And then he says he does something really interesting. Remember? I mean, it's kind of weird. 
He does this. It's the breath of life. And from that moment of that small, scared crowd that was afraid they were all going to die, they changed the world. They changed the world. And that's you. That's who you are. Father God, we are so incredibly thankful for you. We're thankful for your love for us. We're thankful you're a God who saves. We're thankful that you show up late to show us who you really are. We're sorry for the entitlement. We're sorry when we don't get it right. We're sorry for our sin. And we, we come to you now with broken pieces and broken parts. We come to the table recognizing who we are in you and God as we reach out to prayer partners and ask for them to pray over us and pray with us in special circumstances. God, would you meet us in this place and, and make us go home different people than when we came today? Father God, we love you. We thank you for your son's broken body for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.